Stanford Steve and the Bear is presented by Allstate. Get protected from mayhem this year when you switch and save with Allstate. The underdog is howling. Stanford Steve and the Bear. Ah, yes. A home team getting points. What's better than that? Welcome in. Week 12, Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast. A lot to get to, but unfortunately not on the college football slate. We have an unbelievable World Cup preview with Taylor Twelman. I think we went an hour. It's as good as it gets. He's got picks in there. Bear gets all his picks. And just some big picture questions. And me jumping in. I'm going to be watching every game of the World Cup. I don't watch soccer any other time. I got USA questions for Taylor. Uh, he's got some really interesting uh, thoughts about rosters and bear fouls as close as anybody. So on the back end of the college football, we got a full World Cup preview with Taylor. So, Bear, let's just jump into he, it. He, he, he triggered another in-pod bet as well. As, oh. as, you, as you'll find out. There you go. So, yeah, have the apps ready when you're listening to that because you're going to want to get down on the action. All right, let's talk Week 12. Obviously, it has all the liking, the likings bear of maybe we see some movement because of the not sexy games, okay? But I still think there are some damn good football games that are going to be played this week, and I know that – I was a week late. I said it, it was going to be this week. I've said it in years past. The Pac-12 peed down their leg again oh, no. last Capitalization week. has begun. Exactly. <laughs> I say it every year, and it happened again. But there's still going to be awesome games played in that conference. Uh, let's start with USC-UCLA. I'm so fired up for this game. It's brutal to see Travis Dye go out on the cart last week. And that's why, you know, we did Stanford education with Scott this week. And my question was, I need to see the USC offense without Travis Dye at running back. They were 95th in the country in rush attempts, but they were 14th in yards per carry. And it's all because of him. He's that special of a player. They don't have him. They go to the Rose Bowl. I get what everybody talks about with last year's game with UCLA embarrassing him. I went back and looked. Three starters on offense for USC. Played in that game. The center and two guards. That's it. That game doesn't mean anything to USC and their roster. I think this game means a ton to UCLA. Your thoughts? Yeah, I like you. I like UCLA in this game. Uh, I think, obviously, Chip would never admit it, but I, I think their players got caught looking ahead a little bit. Yep. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I love that they get an opportunity to bounce right back against their biggest rival, uh, and, and ruin their season. Uh, like, like, like I, I can't prove it, but you you know Chip. I know Chip. You know that for the last 11 months, there's probably a, a, a clip file about yay big, about Lincoln Riley, USC, football's back in LA, offensive firepower, Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy. I, this game has had to have been circled. And highlighted a million times on on Chip's calendar. Now that doesn't mean they're going to win, but but at the same time, I think there there is a rather large chip on the shoulder. There is an urge to get back on the field after giving one away against Arizona last week. Mm-hmm. You put sixty two on them last year. What about what about? I mean, you said last year's game doesn't matter. I think it does matter for for UCLA. Knowing oh, for that, UCLA, they, yeah, I was talking about I mean, the USC they can, thing. They can put the they they can move the ball at will. On that defense, can Caleb Williams continue to do more now without die? I don't know, but 
I uh, I like I like the, I like the Bruins in this game. I think they get the win. Uh, UCLA two and a half. You're taking them in the college. Two and a half. Yeah. 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 Uh, So do what you want with that. I'm with you. I'm with you on UCLA. I just didn't put them in. I'm interested to see if that line moves at all. Uh, I think it was Kaz Allen that missed last week's game for UCLA. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, when, when that's happened with UCLA, those guys have played, you know, Charbonnet missed the week before, got him going. had a great game the week before. And yeah. So I'm interested to see UCLA. I know they're going to want to run the ball. Uh, but Scott and I talked this week on our pod, and I said Caleb Williams is the most valuable player in college football. I think it's him and Drake May because of what he does every single snap, and uh, he has lived up to the billing, and, man, if he could ever get this one and keep this USC ride going, all the credit to him, knowing what lies ahead and the possibility, but I think UCLA is primed uh, for the matchup with that run game. So uh, I'm with you there on UCLA. All right. TCU's on the road again at Baylor. I, going back and watching the tape there, TCU, you want to talk about giving it to a team. That TCU defense lined up and said, stop us. And Texas ran the ball. I mean, that's the story of their offense this year. Run the ball with Bichon and Roshan. They've been tremendous. Second play of the game I'm watching, and and JT Sanders, you know, has, a, has his own block and gets trucked. And that sort of set the tone because right after that, Bijan missed a couple cuts. They had huge drop passes. And yeah, they got Quinn Ewers. They got in his face. And the yeah. guy that had, eight, he hasn't eight, had a lot. Eight in the box, eight in the box didn't work too well. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't play well. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's something to see as a, as a freshman moving forward. That's, you know, he got thrust into the spotlight. He doesn't have a lot of experience. That's going to happen. But I give all the credit to TCU because they brought the fight to Austin. Too. What do you expect when they go to Waco this week? If they get out of Waco with a win, it is the most impressive win of the season. Hmm. Like the spot screams Baylor, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, Texas' defensive line did a really good job up front, and TCU lost an offensive line starter in that game as well. You, I mean, after the way Baylor was absolutely embarrassed last week, couldn't get him off the field on third down, couple of turnovers, you know Aranda is going to absolutely throw the kitchen sink at these guys. We'll see, but remember, too, last year, I mean, Baylor might have been in the playoff if it wasn't for the two-point loss against TCU. No doubt. So, uh, there's a little bit of revenge, kind of, and maybe the tables are turned a little bit in this game, but I, it's Baylor or a pass for me. I wrote up Baylor plus a two-and-a-half in the column. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I, I've been on TCU for much of the year. I got that great ticket on him now, so I'm going to profit on, on that just no matter how much I want to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, TCU, the, the, again, it's real now. They they know their fate. They're three wins away from from being in the playoff, and maybe two wins away depending on if and when they lose. So the pressure gets greater. You're a short road favorite. This is a really, really tough spot for them. Totally agree. The one thing I will say is I expect TCU's offense – to be better because Baylor's weakness, I would say defensively is on that back end. But you mentioned Dave Aranda and that defense. I was on Baylor last week. That was the completely wrong side. Uh, So you're on Baylor. You're on UCLA, little short dogs. Um, Might even want to tease those up, get over a touchdown just in case or money line them both. If you, if you feel good about it, money, a money line might be the play. 
Uh, last week I was on Fresno State. I've talked in length about my love for Jay Kaner. <laughs> UNLV kicks a field goal with 10 seconds left. We lose a cover there. Uh, it's all good. I still think Fresno State is far superior to Nevada. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't check the weather, but I, I don't care. Uh, I look at these two teams and what Fresno has done, averaging 41 over the last four games, and Nevada's defense giving up over 30 uh, per game this year, including 41 to Boise last week. I'm going to take Fresno State on the road, minus 22.5. I don't care. Uh, we disagree on the next game. UAB at LSU, you are on the dog. Explain, my friend. I am, and again, this is a total situational play. Just put yourselves in the shoes of LSU yep. for the last month. You wanted Florida and kind of got your, your season turned around a little bit, rallied against Ole Miss at home and blew them out, improbable upset over Alabama, and then you go on the road in the absolutely trapped danger. How are you going to get back, bounce back, and not not look past Arkansas? And you get you get that win in brutal environment when Perkins has an all-war performance. Like, how much do you have left in the tank, physically and emotionally, mm-hmm. after that? Yes, it's Tiger Stadium at night. I know that's always dangerous. Yep. UAB's got a good back in Dwayne McBride. Very good. I don't know if they're. I don't know if their offensive line will be able to open up holes for him or not, but I just wonder if this is a kind of a catch-your-breath type week for LSU, mm-hmm. knowing that you've got AM next week and then the SEC championship game. This might just be one of those, like, do enough to get by and then crank it up the next couple of weeks. We'll um, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I just look at the idea of UAB and what they do. I, I get it. Coach Clark, those teams were great stories. I'm just not sure this team has the wherewithal. Off a nice win against North Texas. Uh, before that, they're giving, they're still giving up a bunch of points. And I just think you know, the crowd being able to be a factor here in a night game, I'm not sure how UAB is going to handle it. It's an official pick for you with UAB. Uh, I am not uh, official on this in the column. But uh, I, I look at LSU as as I understand all the spots. The offense I think has to um, has to get back uh, uh, in a horrible spot last week that we talked about with Arkansas. And I think Brian Kelly can find some motivation knowing that the nation's leading rusher is coming to town. The defense for LSU has been freaking fantastic. Perkins has just been unbelievable as a freshman, as big of an impact guy as as I can remember on that side. So uh, really interested to see what that. That plays out. Um, I want to get this right, okay? A team that just won their sixth game and probably partied all week is going to Mikey Stadium to play Army, and Army is giving (laughs) 10 points to this team that is red hot, and it's the UConn Huskies. I just have a feeling here that the party in stores might have went a couple more days than just Saturday. And there's nothing like lining up at noon for a kick at Mikey Stadium, <laughs> knowing what's that. And listen, this is what makes no sense. Navy or Army's given 10. They've beaten one FBS team this year. They've scored 16 points in their last two games. I'm taking Army. Uh, that's that's all I got. I, I just I just feel like it's it's that time. They ramp it up for, for Army Navy, and it starts right here. It, it makes no sense to me. I'm just going to lay them with Army. I'm curious. Do you think 
this might be like high school style for UConn. Maybe you get on the bus at about 6.30 in the morning with sh- uh, your shoulder p- and then just pants on, no shoulder pads, carry your helmet in, in your shoulder pads, put it up on the rack, bus on over, take 84 West, and, and, and you're there by about 8.30, 9 o'clock, and, and you just kind of show up that way, save the, uh, save the night a hotel. I would, I would, I would pull out any stop because I just, I, I get it. And 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 a, a former coach has told me years past: look at teams that win at home in a big game at noon, and then what do they do the next week? He thinks he always tended to felt the party lasted longer and took a little longer to get some good practice in. Um, all right, I mentioned there's going to be great games in the Pac-12 this season, this week. <laughs> This is not going to be one of them. It's the big game. It's Stanford. It's at Cal. Cal's minus five, 46 and a half. I've watched Stanford every single game, and it's not getting any better. And Cal, brutal loss to a team that I still don't think gets any credit for for how good they are. Uh, You look at their losses and a brutal loss to SC. The next week they had to go to Salt Lake City. I think Oregon State's a very good team, and there's a scenario I want to play for you when we get done with our picks uh, that involves Oregon State. But this is Cal. I just like what they bring to the table more. There's not a lot of much to like. Cal ran for nine yards last week. Stanford ran for 22 yards last week. Um, I just think there's more, you know, with Ott getting the carries for Jaden Ott, their running back, mm-hmm. uh, who, you know, had half of his, I think over half of his rushing yards in one game against Arizona. Um, I'm taking Cal. I'm giving the five, and I'm taking the under. 46 and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, at least Cal has shown some fight. I mean, it, like, Stanford has scored 16, 15, 13, 14, and seven yep. in the last five games. The 15 were five field goals. I mean, it, I mean, you've watched every second of them. Mm-hmm. God love you. It looks like the stamp has been licked and the envelope sealed and the season's been put in the mail. I mean, it can change, obviously, in the rivalry game, but isn't this like, Cal push the chips middle of the table. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I predicted the score for this game, 10 3. Uh Cal wins. That'll work. That's good. I I I 10 4 is okay too. I played in and won a 10 3 Stanford Cal game. Just so you know. That must have been tense. It was bad. Bad. It was bad. Bad. All right. Those are our official picks. Um I I just I don't have any you know you got Tennessee laying laying the lumber you got Georgia laying the lumber um who else Ohio is out State, there Ohio, Ohio State, State Michigan all massive Clemson massive favorite North Carolina I, massive favorite I, I so I I don't have anything on that I really don't um I am interested to see Michigan's offense I went back and dove in on them this week man. If that thing is seven next week, I think I'm taking the points bear with Michigan. Yes, I, I was asked I, about that earlier th- in the week on Daily Wager. I think I think I think you almost have to. When I worry about and, and brought this up, like Ohio State, like they had a couple of years ago, they had that game at Maryland right before the Michigan game that they survived on the conversion. Yeah, and I think they failed to cover seven of the last eight years. The week prior to Michigan, it just feel like look, Ohio State's been great. Their offense has been great. But just feels like it just hasn't all come together the way we thought it was going to be. Brian Williams hurt, Trevor Henderson hurt, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba has the slowest healing hamstring in the history of college football, working on about twelve weeks now. Like, 
I don't if they if they don't next week could be very interesting against that running game. Yeah. Uh, one other thing. Um, talking to people that are covering the game, Ole Miss Arkansas is a night game in Fayetteville. It is believed it's going to be ten degrees in Fayetteville. If KJ Jefferson is playing in that game, I thought I read he practiced this week. I like Arkansas in that game. I just think they're a tougher bunch of group of guys. I think about the week after playing Alabama and Ole Miss being right there on the cusp. Uh, I, I would look at Arkansas in that spot. They need a win for a bowl. You don't want to leave it up to that last game against Missouri. Uh, so just a just a thought. They really, I know the offense was ugly, but that's what they had to go with with KJ out last week. I thought the defense competed. Uh, they still defense have really played great. Well, they had seven, eight sacks. They yeah, great. Uh, they they were tremendous. So. Uh, I, I don't like Jackson Dart coming from the West Coast um, and, and and being in that game. The Bedlam game scares the crap out of me. I don't want to give any points with Oklahoma, no. uh, but then you've seen what Oklahoma State's quarterback situation is behind Spencer Sanders. Uh, Penn State laying a bundle. NC State, Louisville, that you can have that game. BC, Notre Dame, you can have it. Uh, Oregon State's going to Arizona State. I just hope they go there and get a win. Because uh, it sets up an awesome civil war next week, and that's what I wanted to get to on just the scenarios, Bear. There wasn't a lot of change in the top of the playoff, but I just had this thing kick in, and now it looks like um, you know the other Pac-12 game is the line has flipped. It's Utah now minus two. Mm-hmm. All inklings um, sound like Bo Nix isn't going to go. Yeah, that, uh, that kind of got that cat, cat, cat came and got out of the bag. Yeah, on, uh, on Wednesday night with that YouTube interview. And Utah has has tightened it up uh, defensively. As long as they're healthy, it sounds like Kincaid's going to be 100% at tight end, which makes that offense go. Uh, so I like Utah in that game. I really do. And that gets me to this scenario. If Oregon were to lose this game, mm-hmm. okay, and then they were to lose the Civil War, mm-hmm. that's four losses. Possibility mm-hmm. of not being ranked. Mm-hmm. Possibility. Does that and then... Say LSU beats Georgia. The answer is no. The answer is no. Okay. Georgia's it. Okay. All right. I just wonder wonder about the resume. That's all. I well, it's good, but it's that is the that's the scenario that the committee will Uh have it like (laughs) like but but the thing is it's we've seen the precedent. Yes, two lost conference champs. Yep. And in that instant, the instance with Ohio State and Penn State, the two lost conference champ also beat the one lost team that wound up getting in. This two lost conference champ didn't even beat Tennessee. So I I think Georgia, I think, I think Georgia and Tennessee are both in. No matter what happens in Michigan, Michigan and Ohio State. I I think no matter what, no, because, because I I think they're both in. I, I think, I think, I think TCU. Basically, I think the Pac-12 champ, USC, ACC champ, Clemson, are on the outside looking at it, or or North Carolina. If everybody were to win out, yes, got it. I, I'm in, really- in, in that in that instance, I think the Ohio State Michigan loser would be out if TCU winds up winning out and getting it. And if TCU were to have a better shot, it would be to lose one of these next two, but still have the Big Twelve championship. Right. I don't think that's, they can lose. The, I don't think they can lose the Big Twelve championship. And that's get in. tough for them, man. That's going to be hard to hard yeah. to overcome. Yep. But I 
look, I I think they could get in with you, like even if they lose at Baylor and come back and win the Big Twelve. I think they got a great a great case. I, yeah. I just again, it's going to come down to how the to the committee what what they perceive TCU as. Be interesting to see. I think they're I, pretty good. Yeah, I thought I was going to see Georgia Tech on your picks list. all right um that'll wrap it up for us on the college football uh like i said just just be careful that's why i didn't have a lot because i don't like a lot of the looks of this stuff but more importantly we got action for 30 days coming with the world cup and we want to get the best guy in the business's thoughts along with bear uh these two guys i mean just wait till you hear them throwing names at each other i was constantly trying to look up people to try and keep up uh You're very good with the goalie steve very good I'm, with the goalies. I, i'm just saying this i'm you know and i am going to be the official uh goalie grader of this world cup um I'm, I'm starting to get my rosters in line looking at names i meant to ask you we didn't get it in with taylor uh guillermo still mexico's goalie Ochoa? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah okay right. oh yeah oh yeah absolutely all right and uh i was watching some tape on novice Costa Rica. Oh, Kaylor Robinson. Kaylor Robinson is a great goalkeeper. Yeah. Like it. I do. I got I to gotta catch up on Jose Sa. And uh, I'm guessing Argentina's goalie, Martinez, is pretty good. But I, I dove in on Eduard Mendy. Love him. But they're up against it with Senegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, All right. yeah, yeah, I'm yes, going to yes, stop. Indeed, yes, indeed, that, that, that they are. But do you – now, with, with these keepers, do you also – because the keeper mentality, when you get into the penalty kick shootout, you've got the cheat sheets on all of the penalty takers as to their tendencies. Like, are, are you dialed in on that as well, or just like the, the keeper themselves? No, the keeper themselves. Let's get to the World Cup. This week's World Cup preview is this week's mayhem moment, and it's brought to you by Allstate. Protect yourself from mayhem and save money by switching to Allstate. Very happy to welcome in, to help us with this World Cup preview, maybe the second biggest Brooklyn Nets fan besides Bear. It is Mr. Taylor Twelman. Mr. Twelman, sorry about the start for your Nets and the start of this season. How are you this morning? That may be the best intro ever, honestly. No joke. It is top three, my least favorite sports franchises in the world. Hands down. That's why I said it. Yeah, I figured as much, but you may not understand our our, our shtick. So mm-hmm. Bear loves the Nets as much as I do. Oh no, I, I, I I'm I, I was really disappointed. I thought about going out uh, last week to go catch uh, Nets Lakers out there last weekend, <laughs> but unfortunately I, I couldn't make it out there. But once I get back to the Northeast, I might take that take that train down and catch the uh, catch the old Nets. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll get it going at some point. Don't worry, we'll be all right my eyeballs then watch the Nets play all right Agreed. very good all right let's just go general here and then Taylor you could go where you want I know Bear has plenty of thoughts uh I'm just you know the idea of the host country getting a team that's the first game uh group a it's Cutter. it's Ecuador you know I was just going through the the three-way with Bear I saw plus 135 for Ecuador to win 
this first game in regulation. The draw is only 205, and Bears like just be careful with this game being played where it is. Did they, does does do, I mean push is the best case scenario in any of Cutter's games? Yeah, like honestly, it would be. So I I saw Cutter play. If I'm not mistaken, the Gold Cup that was the most recent one in the United States, and. Needless to say, I've seen two or three of their friendlies. I'd be very careful betting against them. I'm not saying they're going to get out of their group. However, I love Ecuador. I love the youth of the team. I love the athleticism of the team. I love any South American team in this World Cup for two reasons. Why? Most importantly, the weather's not going to be a huge acclimation. Even though the players are playing in Europe for majority of it, it doesn't matter. They're used to... Uh, expecting the unexpected. You know what I'm saying? Like, so the South American teams, I, I like a lot. I like Ecuador. However, however, is Cutter's team or Qatar, however you want to say it, it boils down to this. How long have they been together versus everybody else? Mm. Look at the roster of their players. And this is why you're going to get to group B in a in a minute. Mm-hmm. But Ron is a massive, massive play for me to get out of their group. High odds. They beat Uruguay less than two months ago. They are a very, very difficult team. Anyone that is used to the climate, anyone that's been together longer than the European and and even to a certain extent, the America team, so to speak, that's who I'm looking at because they're going to have the upper hand because those players have been together and they've gotten on the same page Versus, let's say, Canada, who had to play Japan this morning, as you guys and I are are taping this, and their roster just got there. And and so I look at Qatar. I'm I'm wary of them. I'm not sure I'm betting against them, especially in that opening game. If you're asking me right now, I like to draw. I I think I would love to get the – the, uh, the the Iran to win the group and then Qatar to finish second and get Iran to 16 knockout round between uh, Iran and Qatar. Hey, we're talking about Iran. I, look, this is not a political statement or anything, but it's been out there. I mean, people are obviously aware of what's going on in Iran. Like, I've seen a little bit of backlash. Like, will some of their players play? Will some not play? Have you heard anything about some of their stars, maybe, whether they're going to play? Whether I can't imagine that they're not going to play, right? No, but, Bear, you, you, you're hitting the nail on the head in the sense that, guys, we may not know this until 36 hours before that opening game. And so if I'm at Iran, I'm waiting, waiting until I see maybe – that first roster come out, or at least that day. But before this tournament started, I've said to everyone, and they were plus 800 to get out of the group when I said this in August, Iran's the sleeper pick in all of this because England is not playing at nearly the the, the ability and potential they could. Wales is older than the uh, us three on this podcast. <laughs> and the U.S. is like a wild card. I have no idea what to expect from the U.S. because you've got the youngest generation, the golden generation, but they're also the most experienced team the U.S. has ever had since 1990. And that was the first World Cup they had since 1956 or or 54, whatever it was. So I, honestly, I look at Iran. If everyone shows up, that full ro- roster shows up, Bear, Steve, I'm telling you, that is a sleeper pick. And here's the one stat I want everyone to remember. 84% of the teams that win their opening game get out of their group. 80 win, win the game. 
that win their opening game of the tournament get out of their group. And that is why the U.S.-Wales game is the most important game for the And that's why Iran is going to be a difficult, difficult game for England in that opening game. And that's where I think, especially in Group B, this this could be very quickly flipped on its head. And and, and that's one of the reasons why people are going to yell at me, oh, you hate America type of deal. But I I think the U.S. to get out of the group is a coin flip at best because that first game against Wales, like – we hit on the, the the age of Wales, but but that's going to be the freshest that Wales will be. I mean, they, they still have world class players with, with with Bale and Nico Williams. That's going to be a, like if the U.S. doesn't get three points there, and then you need to basically get three points against England or Iran. That's a tough road, man. And so, like, I, I actually think they're they're it, my heart wants to see them advance, but the head in the wall or an error on the side of you know what not advanced stage of elimination group play is probably the play. Yep. I would agree with you, dude. Uh, I would agree with you. Listen, uh, Wales is going to sit in. The game's going to be ugly. Uh, game's going to be very pragmatic. It's going to be slow and everyone's going to be sitting there on pins and needles because they, the U S haven't had a shot. They've struggled to score goals. They struggled against teams ranked in the top 25 of the world outside of the United States. Greg Berhalter's got three wins, all three of those against Mexico. And so the numbers tell you it's going to be difficult. However, if the U.S. score the first goal of that game, I'm going to tell you right now that they they out because Wales won't know how to react. But if it's the 80th, 85th minute, it's nil-nil, or even if they're down a goal, that plays in the hands of Wales. I think Group B is the most difficult group to predict because I think Iran and the inability of Wales to be dynamic I think it's going to throw England and the United States a little bit on edge of like, like this is not the kind of World Cup they expected. And that's why I think that group ultimately comes down to the third game. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we, 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 I'm glad we did get through group B because I kind of want to tie group A and group C together. I, I think we all assume that Netherlands will win group A and they, they've really kind of changed their way they played, I think, since. Uh, the, the, the the last uh, major competition. And how would you for like? I think the Dutch are kind of a, a good value play. I have seen them like twelve to one, fourteen to one in some spots. I've seen them as low as eleven to one to win it all. Uh, how would you forecast? Because they likely would mean that they're going to draw Argentina in the quarterfinals. Like like like, do you think the Dutch to win or, or, or is it is it a sucker bet? Does it look too good of a price to be true? Or would you like their chances against Argentina? Because I'm sure everyone's going to expect Argentina to win Group C. The three of us always look at odds very similar, which is why all three of us get along very well. Is I I love the favorite bet always have, and in this tournament. We're going to get there in a moment. I love the favorite bet for more reasons than one. However, I look at the long odds, and this is a random tournament. And Stephen Barrett, this is the most important thing I'm going to say. I None of us in this world know, have any clue how this is going to play out. They literally were playing a Premier League game four days ago. And eight days after that Premier League game ends, you're opening the World Cup. I No one has any idea about depth or whatnot. Let's say for the sake of argument, everyone's healthy taping this podcast. The Netherlands Dutch is a really, really good bet. And the reason why, same manager from 2014, and you two remember that World Cup that we covered on ESPN, Mm -hmm. 
Louis Van Hall surprised a lot of people being a little bit more pragmatic with this Dutch team because they don't have an out-and-out traditional world beater at the nine to score you a bunch of goals. They do have arguably the best center back tandem in the world. If healthy, I like this team a lot. Now, and, the way, and the way they use Dumfries as well is, is really impressive. Exactly. So I, I like it a lot. The next part of group A, because bear, you want to tie this in. That's the, that's the crap shoot for me because Sadio Mane was said to everyone that he was out. Now he's there. They're saying he's only out the opening game. I keep mm-hmm. an eye on But there's another African team that's going to be used to the climate. They're going to be used to the uncertainty. They're a dangerous team to play. Ecuador is. And then you've got the home nation. But I'd be shocked if Netherlands aren't winning that group. But Group C's is Argentina's to lose. And Steve, I know you're going to take it from here. But I look at Argentina. That's fine. The other three... Honestly, Lewandowski could score three or four goals and carry Poland. Mexico could all of a sudden tie all three games to get through on that. And Saudi Arabia is the, you know, Asian continent representative in that group that all of a sudden could. The the second team out of Group C is literally a coin flip for me, but I don't think it matters because I think this may be Argentina's World Cup for Messi to go out on a swan song. Got it. That's what I just want to touch back on group A because I was just thinking about because two teams are going to get out and I'm looking at the odds to win the group. Obviously, in A, uh, Netherlands is the favorite, but then Senegal's at, at, uh, at plus 540 to win the group. So that's maybe basically the next one. Uh, I am fired up to see my man Edouard Mendy in goal. I love his potential. And that's why I think it's a dice. So you would you like Ecuador to get out of that group more than Senegal. If Sadio Mane doesn't play all three games, the answer is yes. If Sadio okay. is healthy at all for the third game, then I think you are 100% correct because the goalkeeper of the other three teams, Senegal has the best goalkeeper. Okay. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned about the unpredictability because I, for the longest time, was thinking we're going to get some really fluky, funky, weird results in this World Cup just because of the timing on the calendar the location and, and the heat and the weather. And then here I am l- looking at it. I'm like, how was it someone other than one of the favorites doing like, like, do you, do you, and then it's someone like Nigel Seeley, who is pretty sharp soccer guy. He thinks this might actually be the most formful, most predictable best world cup because of the time of the year as well. So it's kind of two different viewpoints on how this thing might actually play out. Yeah, because nine out of ten times, Bear, when you look at this game at the highest of levels, look at how many countries have won the World Cup. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. There's no George Washington as an eight seed that all of a sudden makes the Final Four. You're like, where the hell did they come from? It just it, The cream always rises to the top at some point. Now, one would argue Croatia was a little bit of a surprise in 18, right? Because of, of what they they paid for they paid for a couple of very nice vacations by reaching the final. I can tell you that. I, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to thank them for that. Exactly. So when I look at Croatia, that kind of thing. So I can see one of two things. I think depth is the only way to look at this, and the deepest teams are the ones because there's going to be two or three injuries in the first round of games, guys. Where then everyone goes, "Oh my god, seriously!" Like they lost two. Who's got the deepest squads? That's where you look at the favorites, and that's why I think most people are saying it's going to be the most kind of chalk type of World Mm -hmm. Cup. I I just – 
I think the opening round of games, there's going to be a surprise. I just do because I think the World Cup, fingers crossed, nothing major happens. But I think that Qatar is not ready to host this thing. And so let's say random <laughs> off. You know what I mean? I, I just, I'm expecting something random to happen that throws it off. And then all of a sudden you're looking at it and seeing a random like, Rocco wins the opening game. And you're like, how the hell did they win that? But I I do lean towards the favorites in all of this. Okay. Uh, So going with – all right, so Wales-USA is going to be ugly. Just touching on back on uh, B, you would take Iran as a flyer to get out of the group for sure, Um, and England still not playing to their potential. I never heard that one before. (laughs) It's Um, coming home. Touching back on C, uh, if the Nets played Mexico – in dodgeball, who would you root for? Nets. Okay, just good. Hey, no, I, you don't have to say anything else. No, nothing, nothing. All right, all right. So Lewandowski's still there with Poland. He's obviously the wild card. If he if he gets going, if if Argentina wins, like how big is if they if they get two wins, say in the first two, right, and then the third one doesn't mean anything. How big is that for Argentina? Saying you know, give Messi a game off. Oh, uh, it's massive. It's okay. it's huge. On the other hand, it all depends on because if I'm not mistaken, the winner of their group plays the winner of the group. Oh, bear, we just did that. They they, they, they play they play a Argent. Assume Argentina wins the group. They'll play likely what Denmark probably will be the run up to France, and then they'll wind up playing the, the Netherlands in the in the quarters. Okay. Yep. Exactly. So that's where I think it all play, plays a factor in it. I do think. Absolutely. If they're on six points, I, I, I think Brazil is going to do the same thing with Neymar. I think yeah. you really look at how you manage minutes in times and, and the, you know, our favorite phrase that us three love load management. Oh, that, absolutely. I was getting to that. Yep. The Nets do it better than anyone uh, bear. So and LeBron uh, and the Lakers. Yep. I, I do think, I do think Argentina is looking at this. They're confident, unlike 2018, where they had no idea who was going to play mm. in back. I think they're looking at this saying, this is ours to play Brazil in the final. I think there's no other way to look at this. Wow. They know, I, and I don't think the pressure of playing in Messi's last World Cup is that much different than the previous five. I just mm-hmm. don't. Because they've already had the disappointments. They've already lost in a World Cup final with Messi. So I, I almost feel like if they do get six points in the first two games, Steve, I, buddy, I, I think they look at it and go, we're flying. And, yeah. and I do they look at the third game as like a random one. Two thoughts on that with, with Argentina. Does that maybe trigger a bet on Poland to get out of the group? Because Argentina-Poland is the final group match. If Argentina's sitting on six and they're gonna and they're gonna sit the majority of their guys, knowing that they're not gonna have to get sent over to the other side to play potentially France in the round of 16, like you would think that might bump Poland's chances of getting out of the group uh, even that much more. And then the second bet thought was a bet that I've already made. Like you hit on it, Messi, best player of our generation, final World Cup, one of the favorites. Is it messy to win the golden ball at like plus five fifty? Isn't that like an auto play? Like I've already made the bet. Like it's it's number number one. You got the sentimental angle. You got number two. You got one of the best teams in the world. Number three. You got a team that probably going to go pretty far. 
doesn't like Neymar or Mbappe or someone have to have a tournament completely out of their mind in order for Messi not to win that award? Uh, Neymar would be the only one I would compete with that because they're both taking penalties. And Barry, that's mm-hmm. the one people forget who takes penalties on the team. And Mbappe missed the the Euros one that uh, led to racist and all, all that stuff that almost led to him quitting. That was on our air on ESPN. Well, golden ball, not golden boot. Golden ball. Got it. Golden ball. That's, I would, I'd lean more towards the golden boot than the golden ball. Okay. Okay. All right. The the golden ball, 100%. He will get the sentimental part of that. So will Neymar. And I think it's Brazil, Argentina in the final. If I was, if I was betting right now and saying, this is what we're going to do. Close your eyes. That's what I I would go to bed at night going. This has got, this has got Brazil, Argentina, I think written all over it. All right, before we move on, I quickly want to mention the C.J. McCollum show. Every week, New Orleans Pelicans star C.J. McCollum discusses names and storylines in and around the NBA. With inside perspective, you can only get from someone in the locker room and on the floor. Follow the C.J. McCollum show wherever you're listening to this podcast. All right, going down, Group D, that seems like the biggest shoe-in, right? France and Denmark to advance. You got Tunisia and Australia. Yep. Uh, Denmark, I mean, guys, Christian Eriksen's going to play. Unreal. That's amazing. I, I, wow. I mean, 18 months ago, he had, a, he had a cardiac arrest. Think of that. Like, that's... On the so, field. Exactly. And so, I right away, I look at that. They're going to embrace the fact that they're yeah. underdog. They're going to go as maybe the trickiest team to face in a way because I think they've they've actually always played the French well like when you go historically the Danes have always played the French well difficult here's the problem I have with the French are they the deepest team at the World Cup yeah I mean they're so deep their manager names 25 players he's like think they're deeper than Brazil even with all the injuries I do honestly. France could have two teams bear in this tournament and get to the quarterfinals. However, the French will be French, and quite honestly, all of them should play for the Brooklyn Nets. That <laughs> they 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 know the moment the World Cup's over, their manager's gone. Okay, Didier Deschamps is done. So right away, any kind of inkling that the tournament's going to get difficult, there's going to be any kind of uh, anxiety or animosity. That team. I mean, look at what they did in 2010. They sat on the bus and didn't even come out to training for it. They can easily self-destruct. Otherwise, I'd be sitting here telling you, talent for talent, man for man, my word. From the back line to the front line, they're deeper than Brazil because the back line of Brazil doesn't have as much depth, particularly at the fullback position. But both teams are ridiculously deep. I just look at this. Denmark gets out because they're good, uh, and I think they're well balanced, and I think they're very disciplined. Where Tunisia and Australia, uh, and that's going to be difficult. I think this has got the French and the Danes getting out. Very good. All right, um, that takes care of that. Group E. Um, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Uh, yep. Who's in goal? Is De Gea in goal for Spain? No. No, he didn't yep. make the roster. Simone. Oh, Simone. Okay. 
And that uh, ger- is Germany do, new do, hour? By, by the way, do you agree with that? Do you, do you think that they made the right decision there? I think the bigger decision with Spain is Tiago from Liverpool didn't go. I, I don't understand that. That tells you how deep your team is if Tiago's not one of 26 players. Um, Spain's a tricky one, guys. I'm telling you, they could win this tournament and pass the ball to death, and all three of us are taking naps in every one of their games by the 30. 30- it's weird. However, let me say this. Spain has shown in the last three tournaments one bad day. And in this group, yeah. and the, the X factor in this group is the Japanese. Japan is the X factor. They make it difficult. Mm. They, they're very diligent. They're very smart. They're very committed to what the task is. They don't have a single player on the field that thinks he's better than the group. And so I, I think I think this is Germany and Spain as the gambling man, but I think if there's a team that throws a wrinkle to this, Costa Rica, as improbable as it was in 2014 when Costa Rica got out of their group, it's almost the same roster, and here we are eight years later. <laughs> I'm the same thing. I think Japan's the X factor, but if I got a gun to my head, it's Germany, Spain to get out. But I think Japan could throw a wrinkle to this. Look, we, we know Germany has a couple of very young, talented players. It, this almost feels a little bit like 2010 for yep. me, where that was like the tournament where Germany yep. was like, okay, we're going to go with Mueller and, and Usul and all, and then we're going to build towards the next World Cup. Kind of feels that same way, I think, but you're like, like they got a ton of talent. But is this like too much too soon for them? Yeah, because Bear, to your point, 2010 they went youth, 2012 they had a fantastic girls, 2014 they won, right? So mm-hmm. here, here's my issue with Germany, and this is a rarity to ever say this. They don't have enough depth at center back, which is remarkable to say wow. that. Wow. They don't have enough depth. If their two starting center backs go down, there is a big drop off from their starters to the reserves. Their and front, Rudiger, Rudiger has been nicked up as well. So, right? Their front four or five attacking, though? Jesus. Good luck. There is a, they're on par with the top four teams in the world. And some of that is youth. And so I look at Germany saying, you know what? I Here's one for you. I kind of like the total goals bet with them every game because I don't know if they're going to be able to keep a shutout. I don't think they're going to be capable of winning games 1-0. And if they do then they've got a real shot of winning the tournament. I just think Hansi Flick, the way he managed at Bayern Munich, it is full throttle. It's an unbelievable spectacle to watch. But their Achilles heel is they play a high line, they these face behind. I, I just I think Germany gets out of this group, but I think if their defense is at all on par with teams of the past, then they're they're required to win because their front four five attacking players on any given day could be the best player in the world. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just looking for the, uh, the Germany total goals right now. I'm going to, well, I was just going to give you one maybe, here. I maybe, thought it was maybe, interesting. Maybe, maybe make an in, an in pod bet. Like we've done many times. Ger- Germ- Germany team goals for the tournament. Eight and a half. Yeah. I mean, God, that's got, <laughs> that's got four goals on Costa Rica. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause, yeah. Costa Rican team that I saw in World Cup qualifying here in CONCACAF, no, nah, no. Nah, uh-uh. Are they still playing that Virginia pack line defense? <laughs> That's a tough watch, man. It's a tough watch. It really is. Oh, that was – was that – no, that was 14, right? 14. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, it, it, worked. it worked. The problem is they're still relying on three of those guys. And they're, you know what I mean? You're 35, 36. It just ain't going to work. I did see. Uh, I thought it was pretty telling. You were just talking Spain and Germany. Germany's total points scored in the group stage. Over five and a half is minus 250. Under five and a half is almost plus 200. Yeah, it's Germany's weird because of what happened in 18. Yeah. And, and that's where Japan, they're good. Japan's, Japan's Japan, two and a half over minus 210. Yeah, Japan's a tough team to play, dude. They're just, they're not, they're not, you don't want to play them because they're never, there's never something, they're not, they're not going to self destruct. Remember the game they played against Belgium? And, and re, that was Roberto Martinez talked about this afterwards. When I was talking to him just about his experiences managing Belgium, and he goes, the Japan game was the most difficult game, and it took that world-class counterattacking goal from Romelu Lukaku that beat – like, they're they're just a tough team to play, mm-hmm. and they easily grind out three results. And if Spain slips up, which they've done once, they've yeah. done once in the last three major tournaments, yep. maybe Japan's a little bit of a flyer, but I'm not sure I'm taking that. I Germany and Spain just have too much quality. Yeah, yeah. You, you talked about first game results. Germany, Japan, first, first, yep. first game match in the group. And then if you talked about the goals prop, maybe Germany's in a situation in that final game against Costa Rica they where it's score. just a goal fest. Mm. Um, That's why the total goals is an interesting one for me with that one. Group F is a f- one. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking, speaking of Roberto and, and, and Belgium and Group F, like, is are, are they a little past their prime here? Is are, are they or Croatia kind of the team that is set up to really disappoint? I hope not, because you and I love Roberto, and I hope I hope I'd, I'd love to see them win one day. But I don't know. I'm not feeling it, man. I'm not either. And that's funny. You just hit the nail on the head. I was going to say there's two teams that I think now are going to underperform because of what they did last tournament. Croatia goes to the final and Belgium finishes third. But Belgium's guys, their back line, they have not found a way to replace that. Now, Kevin De Bruyne is the top five player in the world. So he could single-handedly carry this team. And there's enough talent around him to find that. But I'm not confidence with Roberto but I talked to Roberto after they lost to Italy in the um, Euros last year and he said that was our shot mm. so that that tells me right there that mm. he the World Cup saying you know we're kind of playing with house money which means maybe it takes the pressure off of them Baron Steve you know what I mean maybe mm-hmm. yeah uh, we're, I think we're okay with this maybe we're all right Croatia is too old for me uh Yet every time I say that, Luka Modric looks like he's 25. So I I don't know. They don't have enough balance. Canada's an interesting one. Canada- That's who I wanted to talk about, man. I watched them a couple times. I was blown away at their speed. I Funny. really was. It is insane. And Steve, they do not get enough credit here in our country. Part of that is shocking. Cover MLS. We can't, it's no different than NHL. We don't get yeah. the Canada. So we stopped covering Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal until the playoffs. And that's television reasons. Mm-hmm. How the Canadian center for Jonathan David, I could make an argument right now on this podcast and on any show that he's the best player in CONCACAF. CONCACAF. Mm-hmm. Better than Davies, who's his teammate. And they've got a couple young players 
that are going to surprise the hell out of people. They are athletic. They are. They believe nobody is talking about them. And, and, so, and they're correct. <laughs> yeah. So this is one where I'm like, hmm. Now, I was planning on saying all of that until this morning. They beat Japan in their last friendly before the World Cup starts. I hope, for the Canadian sake, that doesn't give them too, too much confidence. They beat Japan 2-1. And I looked at both rosters, 95% of the starting 11 and opening games. And Canada won two. So, but I, I get nervous because in 2018, the United States, who failed to qualify, tied France in France. <laughs> one, we all know what happened in 18's World Cup. Uh, France lose. So I, I like Canada. I root for them. I know those players really well. I, I think they're athletic enough to really surprise people, but they're one injury from like all of a sudden the depth being a huge part. Yeah. They but they're interesting because if Croatia is old, and you're chasing Alfonso Davies and Mark Anthony K and Jonathan David and all that. Good luck, man. Good luck yeah. at Canada getting three points. And then that's Pantemis and goal for them? I think so. Either him, Borhan, or St. Clair. Those are the three goalies I see. Yeah, Dane St. Clair is the Minnesota United kid, went to University of Maryland. Um, he He's still a little raw. Maxime Cropo was the MLS cup uh, goalkeeper for LAFC that broke his leg in the final. He would have been there. Ah, uh, uh, okay. I, I, I think you're right. I think he'll start. Um, but they've ironically, all three goalkeepers are completely capable of playing in the world cup. So uh, that's not the position. The position is the two center backs boys, even their two starters. Mm, I'm not, I'm not sure it's, it's up level. Okay. Very good. They're over two and a half points scored in the group stage. Oh, I kind of mm. good one. What, what odds at that? Uh, minus one twenty-five over. And they've got Morocco in the last. I match, know that's why so, I was just looking I mean, at their schedule. They that, start with I Belgium. Mean, yeah, I I could see them tie Croatia and beat Morocco and finish with four easily. I could also see them lose the first two games and then yeah, <laughs> and completely bury them and still get the three points and knock it out. Okay. By the way. News. Cristiano Ronaldo just signed for the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> <laughs> he fit in perfectly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, well, well, we'll talk about that when we get to Yeah, hold on. Let's, we, we'll, I'll just, we'll, Brazil, we know everybody's thoughts. All right. It's G, it's, it's Brazil, it's Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. Serbia and Switzerland have the same odds to get out and win the group. I'm not saying win the group, but who do you think advances out of these the other three? That's a really. I think whoever wins Serbia, Switzerland gets out. Um, okay. That just that that the group is quite difficult because Cameroon is such a difficult one um, to predict. They, it's very difficult to handicap Cameroon. It just is always happening. every World Cup, right? It, it's literally honestly, it's unreal. I'm said. I'm so glad you said that because there's part of me that sits there and says, well, "Hell, they could get to the quarterfinal," yeah. and then there's it's like they lose all three games. I. They're one of the teams where you're like, I throw the balls in the air and see what happens. Serbia, Switzerland, Serbia is the better tactical team. Switzerland probably has maybe a little bit more quality. I think whoever wins that game. Hey, you think? I, I think I think Serbia could be like one of the most entertaining teams in the like. I actually made a made a bet on Serbia at eleven to one to reach the, the semifinal because I think if you if you look at that draw, like they're going to get either Uruguay or Portugal, 
most likely you assume you're going to finish second in the group behind Brazil. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you get one of those fossil teams, Croatia or Belgium in the, in the, in the quarters, like you, you with, with Vlahovic and Mikovic Savic, all, all the, they have a ton of go forward guys. I love this team. Fair. I think that's a bad bet. Here's why I am reserved. Uh, uh, insert, insert, insert horn. It's inserts. We have happy Steve. Sad Steve. This is a uh, this is unhappy bear. Okay, I'll try and avoid my bet. Talk to me. Where is this World Cup being played? I would like Serbia anywhere else. I just would. Okay. Croatia loved playing in Russia. It was like playing. You know what mm. I'm saying? Yeah. Surroundings. I don't know how an Eastern European country is going to deal with 85 degree temperatures. I don't know that. I just don't. And historically in World Cups, you see the South American African teams surprise people more so than the Eastern European because of that. So I think if this was if let, let me even go even further, Bear. If this was Euros, I'd have Serbia in the semifinal. That's how good of a team they are. That's how disciplined they are. I just I I don't know if playing in the desert is gonna help them. I just don't know that. But 12 to right. that bet as well because that's high odds. Notice how we haven't even talked about Brazil because it's a foregone conclusion that they're in the semifinal, if not the final. This is the best chance for Neymar to win the World Cup. And many people said it was in 2018. This team's a little bit younger. This team's a little bit deeper that if they need to rest Neymar, there's not a drop-off. And he's <laughs> the best in the world right now before the tournament starts. This is Brazil's to lose, and I'd be shocked if they lose. I think Brazil yeah. wins. How old is he now? He's right at that time, right? So I think if if I'm not mistaken, Neymar is what thirty one. I think thirty one. Let me. Uh, I, I I can look. But yeah, I, I made Messi's thirty three. Yeah. I, I made a bet on Brazil to win it. I, I got four to one locked in. Like I said, I looked for a reason to try and beat the favorites, but I couldn't do it. Neymar is thirty. Thirty thirty one and thirty one in February. Yep. I. I. I just like it. I this is a favorites bet that's got it written all over. Boring, me. boring. I know it sucks and it just isn't. It goes against everything in my blood. Well, I will say, like you know, I still think, for the most part, the NBA playoffs is the is the longest grind, and the the best team usually wins that. I do feel like the World Cup sets up for the best teams to to show that they're the best and get there. I remember what was that twenty ten. Uh, Spain loses the first game in group yep. and they win the freaking tournament. And I was blown away because I'm really, though I was laid up in, in, in bed, had surgery. I watched every single game and I'm like, oh my, is this big? And then the next two weeks later, I'm like, oh, I guess that wasn't that big of a deal. Spain recovered. So the, the format is pretty, pretty special, pretty different from anything we're accustomed to in America. And that's where I am still taken back by that. But I still think it, it, it gives a chance for the teams to show their true colors. I would have loved to have known what would have happened in the semi if Thomas Mueller didn't get that terrible second mm. yellow against uh, in the uh, in the quarters. And they pin, he was on the pitch against Spain in the semi. I would have loved to have seen what would have happened. What a dumb rule that is. Don't get it, me started on rules in this sport, okay? I'm trying to be positive. Buddy, buddy, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Dives for Neymar. It's got to be plus plus or minus oh. 55. They're not putting a number on that. There's <laughs> no way. No way. Uh, all right. Let's let's uh, do the last group, and then we'll have some fun on the back end. Portugal, 
minus 150 to win the group, Uruguay plus 190 to win the group, and then you got Ghana and South Korea in the in the thousands. Uruguay has been a good story in, in 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 past World Cups. Ghana, I always put in the Cameroon uh, category because I'm like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? I mean, they always have guys that stick out, but Portugal seems to be flying under the radar. Is is age a factor? Experience? Um, who's in goal for them? God, that's such a great question because honestly, I, I'm surprised Portugal favored to win this group. So am I. I, I Jose, Jose saw ring a bell. No, I think Diego Costa is, is going to okay. be who, who they go yeah. with. Right. They got yeah. both of them. I know that. Yeah. And so it, honestly, I'm kind of surprised they're favored. I I'd have your Uruguay. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, they, I mean, their coach three days ago said we came here to win the trophy. Mm. Anzo, who was that inner Miami during COVID. And then obviously he left, that, which is an amazing, in and of itself he was here in mls and then became the national team manager with uruguay and honestly he says if we get the balance right we should be in the final mm-hmm. I mean, their aspirations are portugal shows up and everyone's talking about ronaldo and piers morgan so like i don't understand how naturally portugal and i get it but honestly and bear you follow this as close as i do steve Portugal's better if Ronaldo doesn't play. Wow. That's that's not better if Messi doesn't play. Mm-hmm. Portugal right now is better if Ronaldo doesn't play. I don't think Fernando Santos has has the guts to, to do that. I just don't. No. Because I think he kills the team. So I honestly think Uruguay wins this group. I just do. Okay. I, I, I was gonna say, like, they are so I, I they aren't they better off with Bernardo Silva and Laama. I, I wonder too, like, is there going to be an interesting like dynamic between Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandez with all the crap that Ronaldo has said about Manchester United, the team, like, like it could get interesting there. Now here's the best Here's the worst part for Portugal, no matter what. So for those of you listening that are looking now further along, if they finish second in the group, they got Brazil. Mm. And if they finish first in the group, they got either Serbia or Switzerland. I just I don't like this tournament for Portugal, and mainly because Ronaldo's a distraction. I yeah. love his depth. I just think Fernando Santos this time off, and I think if he benches Ronaldo, which would be a story in and of itself, then they've got a shot to really do something as a team. I just don't see him doing it. Will he just leave the tournament if he gets benched? I mean, <laughs> honestly, like, seriously, he's gonna he's gonna go hang out with KD and Kyrie. <laughs> he would. He would totally leave. It wouldn't surprise. But then who? Do an interview with after Piers Morgan then. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm rooting. I'm rooting for Uruguay. I mean, I I he love Luis. I love Luis Suarez, and I was devastated when he left Liverpool because he brought so much to the, the club. And now you got got Darwin Nunes. You got Cavani still. You got you've got guys in the midfield. I like like this. I would love to see them make a deep run. Oh, Bear, I, I just – they're and they are ferocious. They are just nasty. They'll do anything to win. They'll even take a bite out of a human being. Exactly. I was going to say, we got to wear mouthpieces. <laughs> we got to wear mouthpieces. <laughs> it was set up so perfect for that. But true, I love them. With okay. or without, I like this team a lot. And I think it says a lot when your manager three days before is like, we came here to try to win this thing. That There's a quiet confidence there. You know what so- I mean? So if they don't win the group, they have to play Brazil. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's tough. 
That, by the way, is not what Brazil wants. Correct. The one team Brazil does not want to play. They'll play Portugal 10 out of 10 times. They do border, not. Border, bordering nation, exactly. Mm. Bordering nation with a ton of talent. And yep. Loves being the under. Oh, yeah. They, yeah they, not, not saying Brazil wouldn't beat them, but that, that would not be a fun 90 minutes. No. All right. A couple. You said it. Brazil and Argentina are your favorites to go. I just have a couple other things just to ask. In seriousness, is every field going to look like FedEx field? <laughs> Seriously, like I like oh I don't like everybody's talking about the conditions. Like you know, obviously there's the horrible stories about the stadiums being built, but like literally the surfaces in the desert. I get it. The golf courses are great, but this is a totally different animal. This is oh. this is guys running around, you know, for a hundred minutes, a, you know, a couple times a day. Your comparison to FedEx Field is brilliant because honestly, it may look green, but you be better playing on the parking lot because yeah. it was more, more sturdy. I two months ago they had a dry run. Six weeks ago they had a dry run before anyone got over there, and the grass was having a tough time. I, I get it. You're, you've got air-conditioned stadiums at 75 degrees, and it's 105 outside. So needless to say, I'm sure the ozone layer is really having a real fun time trying to deal with this. I don't know how it plays. That's why the uh, expect the unexpected for me. I'd be shocked if the fields don't play well. But on the other hand, Steve, I would be shocked if you and I and, and Bear are texting each other going, well, they'll never play a game at this stadium again. See, that, that's it. <laughs> And that's the problem. I think people are going to be saying that's Sunday in the first game. Yep. Yep. I think I, that's why I look at teams that are deep, that can rotate, yeah. that have dealt with some shenanigans, which is South America through and through. I feel like they're the ones that are – listen, if the French show up and there is one blade of grass out, like they, 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 they're the kind of team that can self-destruct where the other team's like, no, nah, we'll figure it out, whatever. The lights don't work. We'll still mm. play. I don't know, dude. Honestly, I've, they're literally one of the stadiums is built out of shipping containers, and <laughs> with the they are folding it up like a Lego set and shipping it to somewhere in Africa so they can use it as their national stadium. What? That's nice of them. Yeah. One other, one other one before, and then Barry, you could take it from here. The idea, and you touched on it with the Eastern European teams going to play in the desert, and the in the tournament being in the desert, obviously. But the time of year, like I, I, I'm always like I think of soccer guys as year-round guys. They're always in shape. But is there a point where you could say they're they're at the beginning, say of their NFL season, where they're they're fresher, or whereas you know it's normally in the summer and are guys worn down? Like that's the one thing I'm trying to figure out as far as what these guys' bodies are. I know they're unbelievable athletes and in the miles on the tires. That's what I wonder about just being this time of year, but it's in the desert and on services we just talked about. How do you how do you make sense of that? Is it does it am I overthinking that or no? No, oh, it's a great question, bro. It's honestly one of the best questions. And here's why. If it wasn't following the pandemic, mm -hmm. then I don't think it would be that big of an issue. However, you guys, uh, us three were texting each other the moment games came back after the pandemic, whether it was Bundesliga games, Korean uh, baseball, they had to play too many games to make up for that. And Got so it. the runway of their offseason was, I think, if I'm not mistaken, 40% shorter. That's what this is. 
if they had a normal offseason and there was no pandemic, Steve, I don't think you're overthinking it. I think it's just natural. They're just playing a congested w- tournament in the middle of their season where they'd be fitter. These guys are done. This is unfair to the player. They're exhausted. Uh, they've been playing e- a game every three days for almost 12 months. And that's why it's going to come down to depth. I guarantee you there's going to be a muscle pull for a star player. And he ends up playing a huge factor two weeks later in the quarterfinal or semifinal game because he recovered because that team's deep enough to re- recover that. It, it's honestly the most important question that everyone's asking. And that's why 26-man roster, five subs. Mm-hmm. You know, Bear, we forget about this. Five subs changed. It's completely changed my completely changed it because if you're up 2-0, 30 minutes to go, you take Mbappe. You don't. Steve, it's the most important question of the tournament because I think to answer it, I think guys are at the end. I think guys are going to be exhausted. I think their club seasons following this tournament are going to be an utter disaster. That is the million-dollar question. Like like that is, I mean, I love this tournament. I am really curious to see what happens when this is over. And look, as a as a Liverpool guy, I'm I am ecstatic. Tiago's not on, not playing for the national team. I'm ecstatic that Egypt is not in the like like it, 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 Louis Diaz is is going to be healthy. He's hurt and didn't have an opportunity to play in the World Cup. It wouldn't have made it anyway. But like how these players that are going to exist, how are going to play so much over the next over the next five weeks or so how it's going to affect their clubs and their club seasons. And are there any bets to make as a result of players that are playing, aren't playing in teams and make the top four and not finish the four? I would not want to be Pep or Mourinho or Jurgen Klopp or any of these managers of of big European sides or watching this thing. They're going to absolutely be holding their breath for the next month. Hey, Bear, Bayern Munich has 17 players playing in the World Cup. Seven. And here's the worst part. If England goes to the World Cup final, the English league starts up five days after. <laughs> what? What? Congratulations. You won a World Cup. Now you got to go play Man City. Good luck. Like, but, but honestly, Steve, it's the best inside baseballs we use question because it's what everybody is talking about is usually you get that runway of three weeks in the summer. You allow players to kind of get a break. Yeah. They can, they, this is dude, you, you, they have not had a break. They've had World Cup qualifying less than six months ago. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, it's absurd. It's, it's hard to honestly quantify it. All right. One other I had US, the idea that you're on this team. Okay. And you started playing. When, well, how old were you? Start playing when you were five or six? Yeah. Five or six. Yeah. The idea that you, what what the last five six what it has been and what did those guys have seen how they take away from that and knowing that they got here like your did we all know what are we doing you made it famous but the idea that they got here i know you've talked plenty about how big this is for the future but the idea here i know um you know the the fans are expecting the biggest cuz that's what we do here but is it is it a failure if they don't get out of the group? Yes. Okay. Now and now I I'm also going to give you a little insight into why I say that. I'm also extremely 
excited for the first World Cup in a long time because they are young. They're inexperienced. Mm-hmm. You've never had a World Cup to say this in the United States where you're like, yeah, we've got 22, 23-year-old guys. They have no idea what to expect. And that's why it's rewarding. Usually you you two are asking me about 14 World Cup. You got guys going to the World Cup that are veterans that have been there for a while. And this is their first World Cup. No, no, that's not what the rest of the world sends 21 to 24-year-old guys for the first World Cup. And so that's why, from my point of view, I'm pumped. This team has had to deal with for five years, yeah. 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20-year-olds of knuckleheads like me questioning the direction of the questioning whether or not they have enough. And so now they can literally shove it and just tell me to go take a hike. They win that opening game against Wales. However, you failure if you get out of the group. It is a massive failure they don't get out of the group because then 2026, it becomes way more difficult. Now you're talking about pressure that is completely unnecessary. They get out of their group. And who knows, maybe they win round of 16, get to the quarterfinal, whoever. And every other country around the world, it's a crapshoot other than Brazil, Argentina, France, and Germany, and Spain that get out of the group. They're expected mm. to go. Uh, everyone else is like, yeah, we got out of the group. Let's see what happens. It's a failure because of the way this team has played and the pedigree of the players, Steve, leading up to this. I'm sorry, Wales is older. Yeah, they can have 60 years of history of not playing in the World Cup. Doesn't matter. They're old and slow. You're young. You're dynamic. They should win that opening game and get through. So it is a failure if they don't. But I'm excited more so than any other year of either playing or being on the team and watching this team now. Steve, we've never had a team this young. And honestly, when you're young and dumb, and it's awesome, dude. That's my point. It's like I've seen in my whole life where it's just failure, failure, failure. I like this idea where we got guys that haven't been there. They don't know. They don't know. know I know know everybody else is looking at it like, all right, we want fresh meat coming in. But, hey, it's a different approach, and that's why I'm fired up. I I really am. Do do they get paid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The U.S. men's national teams probably – I need to check my records on this, but I can safely say they're in the top seven best paid teams in the world on top of their endorsements with their shoes and all that stuff. Just for that, that, that statement that I just gave is regarding to your um, appearance money for the national team. Now where the controversy got in with the women is men don't have the full benefits that the women have. And rightfully so it's apples to oranges. It's Mm -hmm. a different. So Alex Morgan can have a baby and still take, it's just different. Their club teams, same way um but the men when we went on strike in 2005 did the deal at that time it was top five and i think our deal led to a couple other countries getting it but it's at least in the top seven per game bonus the best in the world bear anything else no i'll, I'll it's funny what, what what teller teller and you were talking about with the youth like it just got me thinking to how great it would be if we did get out of the group and there was some excitement, no doubt, and you're and you're left wanting more, and it's like, oh, this is here in 2026, and I can't wait for that. That would be the best possible thing to happen. Anticipation and excitement, not only for me being half Italian, half German. Oh, I can't wait to go see the Italian national team or the, the German national. I want to watch Team USA. That would be the best possible thing in the world. And I'll get you the real reason why. 
because the under 17s and under 16s in the United States right now, they could be better than the group we're talking about. This thing is here. We, the United States men are finally at the precipice where Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid, all these countries are now coming here and finding the 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds to grab them. And MLS is now realizing we should sign those players and develop them sooner. This thing's there. Like it's taken us 25 years to get here, mm-hmm. but here, that's why Steve, they've got to get out of the group and mm-hmm. the naked experience is out and that's healthy. If you went to four bowl games and lost all four bowl games, the fifth time you went, you'd be like, well, great. We're experienced. Dude, I, I lost four MLS cups, three in a row. By the time I went to the fourth one, I was like, I don't know if I want to play this one. Like, it's just it, experience is worth it if it's positive. If it's all negative experiences, guys, I don't care what anyone tries to tell me. It's always in the back of your mind. That's why this team just get out of their group, play well enough, see where the chips fall. 26 becomes then a much more, I think, uh, rewarding tournament and exciting mm-hmm. because then all of those players are in the prime. And they've played at the highest level for four more years. It becomes fun. They lose all three games. Then guess what? What are we doing? All right. I love it. You've been good, awesome with your time. Thank you again. Good luck with everything. I'll be seeing you pro- probably every night for the next month. Sorry, <laughs> and we'll have sorry. some fun. We're all good. Say, I think. I think we'll. I think we'll be in touch over the next month. <laughs> Get that deck chain fired up. My number. See you, boys. All right. Thanks again to Taylor. That was so. Freaking awesome. So fired up. So good. Uh, yeah, got me going. Can't wait to watch every single game because it's on in the morning. And uh, got my conversion chart for time over there to what it is here. It's pretty good. Big Mike Happy Recap. All right, Big Mike Happy Recap. I'm going Cal and the under. Army minus the points. And Fresno State minus the points. Bear, you? Um, for, for the column um, column lines, I got UCLA plus two and a half, Baylor plus two and a half, UAB plus fourteen and a half, and Cal minus four and a half. Check your uh, your books with the UAB LSU nine. Uh, I saw some fifteens out there, but we have to use the, the Caesar sign for the column. So that's why I had to go with fourteen and a half. Very good. All right, that'll do it. We will be back early next week before the holidays. We're going to try and get something out. Uh, on Tuesday. So uh, appreciate everybody. Good luck this week, week 12. It's a sad time. The season is coming to a close, but that's all right. We're still here. We got a couple weeks left uh, of picks. Uh, Bear, take us away. Plus, you bet. The more you lose when you win. You can listen to follow the Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, don't miss more from Stanford Steve on ESPN Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt. And check out the Bear on College Game Day on ESPN.